Hey, retro lovers, welcome to the Nostalgia Junkies podcast, where we talk all about pop culture, retro toy collecting, and nostalgia. And now, here are your Nostalgia Junkies. So I'm Alex. And I'm Jocelyn. And this is season two of Nostalgia Junkies. Woot woot. So we took a little bit of a hiatus between season one and now the beginning of season two of Nostalgia Junkies. We As def- one does. Yeah, we've definitely had some fun stuff that we got to do this summer. It was a really fun summer. I feel like it went by wicked fast. It always goes by wicked fast. I feel like summer vacation goes in two speeds. One, there's just this aimless amount of time and then it's gone. Yeah. All of a sudden it disappeared out the window like the baby with the bathwater, like gone. It's it's so quick. And especially like as a school teacher, you have so much time during the summer that it feels like it's just an infinite amount of time. It does. And then you realize, oh no, school starts back in two weeks. And then school starts back in a day. And then we are almost a week into you having kids in the building. Remember in the old movies or like in the 90s movies where we used to have like the time bombs and it'd be the tick, tick, tick and we'd have the little one in the corner, the little like timer. Uh, I actually don't know if I remember that. You don't, you don't remember, like even in like the shows, there's like a little countdown clock. Oh, I do remember the countdown clocks in the shows, like basically telling you when the next show is going to start. Well, the next show is going to start or like, hey, we're on a mission. You have to like finish it in this amount of time. I feel like as soon as the bell lets out in June, Mm -hmm. there's all of a sudden a countdown to like, okay, hey, just so you know, you only get eight weeks and then you're back to work. Yeah. But the eight weeks is like an exorbitant amount of seconds. And you're just looking at the big number and like, oh, I got all this time. And then the seconds are ticking. Ticking, ticking, ticking by. And I will say those eight weeks are not just an eight weeks off. Like teachers do work during the summer. Like we are constantly lesson planning, prepping, learning our rosters, IEPs, 504s. But this is not an educational podcast. No, it is not. It's about what you do in your free time. I know the this is a podcast to talk about all the good nostalgia bits. So this summer we actually went to, down to Tennessee, saw family. Yep. We do that every year and every it's year. always a fun road trip. But we also do one of our favorite things. Which is... Flea markets. Flea markets. And there's, there's a specification between East Coast and West Coast flea markets. Yeah. I, I like East Coast better than West Coast. Yeah, well, because a West Coast flea market, like you are out in the middle. It's like a, basically just an open lot tag sale. Yeah. Where flea markets in the East Coast are really more antique mall. Antique malls here on the East Coast are like your vintage furniture. I I would agree with that. I think it has to do with the weather and how long people have been on the East Coast. Because we have to keep things protected from the elements. And True. then also everyone's grandmother had the floral couch and they've all ended up in the flea markets. Well, the floral couch, we're talking about the plates with all the floral patterns on it. I know we got some upstairs, Hey, which I, I'm not knocking the plates. I like those plates. Oh, those plates make me happy. But I do want to point out that I got the opportunity because you had already gone back home at this point. But I got to go to one of the actually the biggest toy flea market antique mall in southern Kentucky. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. Like there are 300 some odd booths, every single one glass case, shelves on shelves on shelves, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s toys. 
Yeah, and didn't you say that this one also charged the vendors a neatness fee? Yeah, which I honestly, I feel like more antique mall and flea markets need to do that. Mm-hmm. You can't just have your booth be a catch-all. Yeah. Like, I know you you have a bunch of product that you want to put out there, but in order for people to see the product, they have to see the product. Yeah. It helps when it's aesthetically pleasing. Like, sometimes I'm good for a good dig through a dump pile, but it really helps when you can see all of the glassware is on, like, these three shelves. That, that's where I think that there's really a difference between what an antique mall is mm-hmm. and what a flea market is. I feel like the flea market, you're going picking. Yeah, that's true. Antique mall, you want stuff to be nicely displayed. And I think you have to know that when you go to an antique mall, you're going to pay a little more than a flea market. Yeah. But we also got the opportunity to go to some of our favorite places like Totally Rad Toy House. And Love they it. just They just got a new location in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And with the same fun artwork all over the building. Oh, yeah. They took all of their artwork before. I know we we posted some pictures on Nostalgia Junkies Instagram, which if you're not following us on our social medias, this is the perfect plug to follow us on our social medias. Nostalgia Junkies podcast. We are on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. In addition to going to Totally Rad Toy House, we also got to check out Danger Zone Video in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, which I will say the owners of Danger Zone Video are some of the nicest people I've ever met. They're like in this little small... Actually, no, they also just got a new location. A lot of these retro stores that we went to either have just moved to a new location or in the process of moving to a new location. Which is awesome because especially if it means they're going into bigger spaces. It means that business is booming, which we always love to do because only going down to Tennessee once every year, we only see these locations and snapshots. We don't get to see the overall progression. Yeah. I think one of the most fun things that we do on this road trip is when we go down... We go down through Eastern Tennessee and we hit all of the flea markets there. Oh, yeah. And it's like we hit back to back to back flea markets starting at 6 a.m. till probably what, 2, 3 p.m.? Yeah, we have no chill. And it's just like that first day of vacation is flea market, flea market, flea market. Mm-hmm. Fleeland was a new addition this year. Fleeland uh, Flea Market and the Smokies. I really hate the name of it, but oh, yeah. it's such a good one. Was it actually Fleeland Paradise was like the name of it? I think so. It was Which, something weird. It sounds like it should be like an exterminator, like Fleeland Paradise. I think one of the biggest lessons that we learned going on this trip, though, is the importance of right place, right time. I'll agree to that. Because, I mean, we have hit at least Great Smokies Flea Market and the Tri-Cities Flea Market two or three times. We either find a lot of Street Shark stuff, a lot of Transformer stuff, or there's nothing. Mm-hmm. But this year, you found something that was really cool to you. That we ended up, it was, I think it was the first item that we bought on the trip. And it was not a small item. It was well worth it though. So the first item that we found on our trip was one of the old store displays that was about a three to four foot tall green M&M, still wearing the high heel boots. Yes. And in great condition, not faded, no cracks, nothing. Beautiful. It was pristine. And the guy apparently had the whole set at one time and he was just trying to move this last M&M. So we got it for a steal. Yeah, he was one of the distributors for M&M's, which is why he had all those pieces, which was really cool to chat with somebody who has been on that side of the business. Mm -hmm. I got to say, I was a little jealous when you got the M&M because like I have been hunting for a few store displays and now you have the R2-D2 cooler and the green M&M. Yeah, it almost feels like I'm invading your space down here. It's our space. But I got to feel that little bit of right place, right time when we went to Replay Toys in Hendersonville. Yeah. What did you find there again? Being a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan, they had just gotten the giant trade in. That's right. 
and they had a complete in box, like barely ever used Red Ranger Power Ranger phone. That it, was a beautiful piece. It was crazy. It was so new. It hadn't even been entered into the system yet. No, but uh, didn't they tell us that a young young boy was trying to get his mom to buy it for him earlier that day? And she's like, honey, we don't have a landline. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Because he wanted to use it to talk to his friends, which is really cute. But she's like, we don't have a landline. Tough kid. I bought it with my adult money. <laughs> I will say like that right place, right time. It really is an important factor. Granted, we only see them like every year or so. Mm-hmm. But we take that time to talk with people. Oh, yeah. It's way more fun to hear stories and chat with people about the stuff that they have in the store and what they're looking for themselves. I can't wait to go back and see what that guy from the flea market has now. Like if he had the green M&M this past year, what's he going to have next year? Yeah. I mean, I almost finished my Star Wars glass collection, too. I know you you went from what? I think you had three left and now you only have one left? Yeah. I'm very close to finishing, but I don't want to order it online. I I need to find it in the wild. Well, I mean, that's the whole purpose of, of hunting at the flea markets and antique malls is that you want to find it. The whole purpose is not in the destination. Mm-hmm. It's in the journey. Yep. This uh, past week, Brandon, who has been a co-host on the podcast for many, many an episode, he was visited by Retro Rick at a store. I like how you put that. He was visited by Retro Rick, like like a, a like angelic being graced him with his presence. He came. Retro Rick emerged from the south. <laughs> he graced, and graced Retro Drunk with his presence. He graced the East Coast with his presence. Because weren't they up? There was a few people. There were a few people who were up for a con, right? Yes. Yeah, so Retro World Expo just took place here in Connecticut uh, about two weeks before we're filming this episode. Mm-hmm. And I gotta be honest, I fanboyed out a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I had to leave the store. I was at Retro Junk. Yep. And I was like, okay, don't be awkward. Don't be awkward. Don't be awkward like you were when you met Jason Marsden. Don't you love the pep talks that you have to give yourself that still somehow Yo, don't work? I had to leave. <laughs> I had to leave Retro Junk, go over to Silk City Coffee, get myself a coffee, give myself a pep talk just to go back <laughs> and stand in the background shots. You're so I, cute. He was looking at VHS and I happened to also be looking at VHS. And he was like, oh, what you got there? VHS I already own, but I just wanted an excuse to stand next to you. <laughs> no, I, I will say Retrovic was a really just chill guy. He really took time to talk with us afterwards. He looked through everything, had full on conversations. He wasn't somebody who just comes in and gets content. Oh, okay. That's good. He's someone who comes in, builds relationships, and really it look, looks forward to coming back every time to see... One, how the store has grown. And two, what else can you buy? Always a fun time. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting the pictures of, of you boys and, and Retro Rick in uh, Retro Junk. That yeah. was fun. Yeah, so um, if you don't know what Retro Junk is, I don't know what you've been doing listening to Nostalgia Junkies, but Retro Junk is my buddy Brandon, who is the co-host of this podcast. It is his story here in Manchester, Connecticut. And we had a Retro Rick sighting. But let's go on to our next segment, This or That. Oh, this or that. So first question, Nintendo or Sony? Well, you already know where I fall on this. Ethan. Yeah, I'm nobody's favorite, but I loved Sony. Which is funny because I I mean, I'm wearing a Nintendo hat as we speak. Like, I'm a Nintendo kid through and through. Yeah, I'm a Sony kid. That's the system that, that we had growing up. And I have a lot of good memories with the PS2. 
and I'll be honest, like, I, I love Sony. I, I am no stranger to PlayStation. I feel like there's been a really good agreement between Sony and Nintendo kids mm-hmm. where you have to have one of each in a friend group. Yeah. Because if you want to go and you want to go play Sony, you want to go play PlayStation, you have to go to the PlayStation house. If you want to go play Nintendo, you got to go to the Nintendo house. That's true. That's true. And I feel like you got interesting when you pulled in the Sega Genesis. You oh, pulled yeah. in the Xbox. And that's when you really started to get the feuds of, oh, well, so-and-so's house is cooler because he has a PlayStation, not a Sega. Mm-hmm. I like the way that the controller felt in my hand better for the PlayStation versus the other consoles. SNES or N64? Yeah, they just, my hands felt weird. It didn't quite fit. I was mm-hmm. used to the button placement. So even now I prefer Sony systems because I already have that pathway built in my brain. Okay, how about this? The the next this or that, Nickelodeon or Disney? I'm a Disney bitch. Okay, so Disney shows, Disney movies are just all Disney, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, I was a Disney princess freak growing up, but um, the Disney movies, the original movies, mm-hmm. those were fun. I enjoyed those. TV shows, I mean, I guess I definitely had favorites in the Nickelodeon category, mm-hmm. but overall, Disney. Okay. I, I, I would agree with giving the overall, like, you know, if we were to go down to a point system, it's definitely Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney, the, D, the DCOMs, the Disney Channel original movies, yeah, by far, hands down, better than any original movie that Nickelodeon did. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm only considering the at-home movies, because if we start going to the theatrical releases, I mean, yes, the Rugrats movie is great, but do we need to pull up Disney Plus? Exactly. Like, they produce so much great content. Mm-hmm. I didn't love all the TV shows. Yeah, I, I will say, I think like earlier Nickelodeon TV shows, mm-hmm. got to take it. Oh, yeah. But overall Disney longevity, I'm, I'm going to give it to Disney. Yeah, the mouse has got it. Next, this or that. This one should probably be pretty easy. Pokemon or Digimon? Uh, Pokemon, but the Digimon theme song gets stuck in my head more often. Digimon, digital yeah. monster, Digimon guardian champions. Which is really annoying because I definitely prefer Pokemon, but the Digimon theme song is just catchy. It's a bop, okay? I know that term is annoying, but mm-hmm. it's a bop. No, I'd agree with you. I think overall, it, I mean, it's Pokemon. It's one of the largest, if not the largest multimedia franchises. But the Digimon, the Digimon designs, granted, I feel like there are a lot more Pokemon designs than there are Digimon designs. I think Digimon is not afraid to take risks. They put mini guns on a rabbit. That's true. And said, you know that cute little rabbit? He now has Gatling guns for hands. So I think one of the things that also threw me off is Digimon being the digital monsters. I Mm -hmm. like the concept that Pokemon are your actual pets and companions instead of going into a alternate reality yeah or like a digital world yeah which i will say they did then fuse the two worlds once you got into like later seasons and later series yeah but it was an established lore that you had to like just buy into Mm -hmm. and then the alternate series and alternate universes when we get digimon tamers and season three it's it, it got to be really convoluted and i think that's mainly the way that digimon was portrayed in north america I don't think in Japan it got to be as confusing because they really set hard lines between series mm-hmm. where America is getting the anime, translating it, and then not not really broadcasting it correctly. Yeah, like they're... They're, they're getting their wires crossed. 
their Google Translate of the episodes is not communicating the actual meaning. Premise of the episode. It's yeah. like, mm, this is the direct mm-hmm. translation, but does not convey the meaning. Right. I think that's the best way to put it is that a lot of the animes, when they came to the US, they were just Google translated. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, granted, it was people, but it was like, hey, it's a quick buck. Yeah. Where I feel like they do take more time now to do the meaning. To translate the storyline and not just mm-hmm. the dialogue. Exactly. I will say, I think one of the funniest translation, it's more of an an, like an animated thing, mm-hmm. was just how Pokemon was translated from Japan to America, where instead of having rice balls, we had jelly donuts. Yeah, that was a good... <laughs> Instead of passing the rice ball at one point, they passed a foot-long sub. Just crappy anime overlaid on top of the existing animation. That's what we deserve. <laughs> and it's like, oh, American people aren't cultured. You're not wrong. <laughs> we deserve that. <laughs> okay, next, this or that. Snick, Saturday Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. or TGIF, thank God it's Friday on ABC. I didn't really watch either. I think it would be Snick, though, for me. Okay. We didn't really watch TV Friday nights or Saturday nights. It was more like a one episode on a Tuesday kind of deal. Okay. How about you? I would say it was, I was more of a Snick person. I think it definitely when it became Nick at night, I watched Nickelodeon every single night. Yeah. I mean, at least that's how it felt. I feel like we, we always switched to watch TGIF because that was a once a week thing. Yeah. And like, you know, you had the wonderful world of Disney on Sundays, you had TGIF on Fridays, you had SNCC on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I kind of watched all of them similarly. Yeah. I would definitely say I think SNCC was definitely my favorite. There, I felt like there was more variety. That makes sense. So it is time for us to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Well, let's go. Frasier is getting a revival on Paramount+. Plus. So... I know, I know you told me when I told you what we were talking on this episode that you said you were not a big Frasier fan. Not that you didn't like it, you just didn't really watch it. No, I mean, I know it was never on when we were sitting down to watch TV and it wasn't like we had stuff on demand like we now mm-hmm. do nowadays. But Frasier would be one of those shows that I feel like I could go back and, and watch the seasons of and be entertained mm-hmm. because it was witty from what I remember. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like that was the whole point of Kelsey Grammer's character Remember, he originated on Cheers. Yes, which, which I think was a great spinoff. Have, we've watched all of Cheers. Yes. Frasier had a great character on Cheers. And I think the spinoff, which had a very different feel than Cheers, mm-hmm. still was a great TV show. Well, I think what was good about it is it didn't try to force the atmosphere of Cheers onto that character. It let that character develop the atmosphere. Agreed. It let the natural character progression mm-hmm. be the character progression opposed to trying pigeonhole. Well, this is how Cheers went. We got to have a Norm. We got to have a Cliff. We got to have Sam. They let their characters be their own individual characters. Yeah, I really appreciated that. That is something I think we're going to dig into this a little bit as we go through our mm-hmm. notes. But the dredging back up of old content to try and remake and and. I don't know, get more money. It, it's been feeling a little greedy. Yeah. So that, that's what I wanted to continue with. Yeah. Is are the reboots and revivals getting to be too much? I think they are. I feel like there's definitely some reboots that are like, okay, it's cool. Like, you know, when they did the JK Rowling, Harry Potter get together. 
Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. That the was reunion? Great. Yeah. The reunion, yes. When they did the Friends reunion, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I would always love to see a where are they now, but a where are they now doesn't have to be a season. No. It could be one episode. Or like an extended episode. Agreed. Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to catch up with our like our classic characters. Mm-hmm. But when you do the catch up, it can't take away from where they left off. No, it shouldn't. And that's kind of what I'm concerned with Fraser is like you're bringing back this character who had a great ending. And now you are just recreating it because you want to recreate it. Like even the Cheers co-creator and Ted Danson, they're like, there's there's no need to reinvigorate the Cheers universe. No, because it was a what I liked about those shows, right? Mm-hmm. Is they took a normal profession and made these like a little bit eccentric people interact. And that was basically the whole premise of the show was how Mm -hmm. these particular people who are a little bit eccentric interact based off of a profession, a, a common gathering place, something around those lines. And it was tied to the time. Mm -hmm. So cheers. They were in a bar in Boston at that time and all those eccentric people with all their weird little personality quirks and how they interacted together. Frazier, the therapist or the psychiatrist that he is, and his eccentric family and the people that are coming in and out of his life, there's there wasn't really necessarily like a a destination. It, it was, was the journey. Exactly. It were, mm. It's all coming full circle. It was the yeah. journey. But we're not seeing a lot of TV shows or a lot of content today where it's based around uh, a common space or a known profession. It's just creating content. Yeah. I, I will say like, so I know I wrote down on our on our fact sheet here, a bunch of shows that have been remade. For example, iCarly, Zoe 101 just got a reboot. Fuller House was redone. Roseanne, which then became The Connors. Saved by the Bell, Bel Air, Proud Family, which was loud, Proud Family Louder and Prouder. All of these shows got a reboot within the last few years. Just, and quite honestly, I think only one of them did it pretty well. The Connors. One? The Connors? The Connors. I mean, it's it's sad that Roseanne Barr is no longer on the show, but John Goodman and the rest of the cast has actually, they've, I think they've done a really good job not just rehashing old formulas and saying, hey, this is where we left off and this is the trajectory of the characters and just letting the characters flourish. Yeah, because, I mean, people watch because they like the characters. Mm-hmm. And so bringing them into a more modern-day setting with the modern-day issues and really letting that shine through, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All the remakes lately have felt lazy. Oh, agreed. And you know I'm a Marvel fan. I love my Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But it's getting to be the same thing. Yeah, I feel like every movie is doing the same thing. I love the memes from all the superhero movies about how every superhero movie has to have the light beam. In the final battle, there's always that beam of light. And there really is. And it's like, wow, that kind of sucks. Like, where is the creativity? Yeah. And I know like when we first started doing the superhero movies, we had the origin stories. Do we want to do an origin story for every single movie? For every single character? Because that thing gets tiresome. And it takes a while to then build to the next climax. Yeah. 
However, if everything is a climax, where's your next jump for the threshold? Yeah, it's almost like we're being desensitized to the wow factor because of how much content's being pushed to, towards us. I know Matt Damon said it in an interview, I can't remember if it was last or a couple of years ago, about how the art of storytelling in movies, it's dying. Well, yeah. Didn't he mention how if it's not like a blockbuster right off the bat, it's... You're not going to make your money back. Yeah. Because a lot of it used to be made from the DVD in vi- on video sales. Yeah. And now it's streaming all streaming services. rights. And streaming it, services don't want them if they're not blockbusters. It's so crazy. Like I, like I said, I feel like the wow factor that we're talking about is being so diminished by the frequency of the content being shoved down our throats. Mm-hmm. I even remember it was a lot. There's a line in, was it the holiday? The old man, Arthur, who used to be a writer for old Hollywood. He's like, it used to be that you'd get like one movie every couple of months. Yep. And that and was the it's... big deal. And now it's like, and now there's three a weekend. It just is lost. Yeah. Oh, but more along the lines of blockbuster. Barbie, yeah, which has done incredibly well. I know it was uh, one of the largest grossing films of the summer. Actually, the largest grossing film of the summer. Which is incredible. I love that it was paired with Oppenheimer. Like the, the, the Barbenheimer memes. Yes. But yeah, so I mean, Barbie being the biggest grossing movie or largest grossing movie from the summer, Mattel has plans. <sighs> I, I don't know how I feel about the plans. I think that Toy movies definitely offer an interesting perspective because for some of them, they haven't had a at-length story told. So it really gives the director and the writers liberties to write a story. Mm -hmm. But then there are some that, what are you going to do? Well, it's also hard because some of these toys, they've had the one-offs for their stories being told, but they're not cohesive stories. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting with all the projects that Mattel has announced to see how they try to merge some of the stories within those universes individually. Yeah. So Mattel has greenlit 45 properties for movies. And I, so I had to do dig, digging into this because I'm like, okay, did they say 45 projects or 45 movies? Because 45 projects, that could be very ambiguous. No, no, no. Mattel announced 45 movies. That's a lot of content. I'm kind of hoping that those 45 movies, like, hey, yeah, we're going to green light these, but we're also going to kill a lot of them. A lot of them are never going to see the light of day. Well, I'm also even just thinking about along the lines of the amount of content being put out there. 45 movies. Average runtime of a movie is like two hours, give or take. So that's 90 hours of content, which is over two work weeks worth of movies to watch. Like that's so much content. It's a lot of content. Like, ah, that's a lot. That's, that's almost the equivalent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I shared the list with you, but I also have the list right here of the different properties that Mattel has at least announced. And topping off the list, American Girl Doll. All right. I will say I'm excited for this one. I loved American Girl Dolls growing up, um, except the unfortunate thing is now I can only think of the SNL skits. 
Did you see those? I don't remember the SNL stuff off the top of my head. Is it well, new SNL or yeah, old SNL? The, it's new SNL because they yeah. did it after the release of Barbie. And it was like, what would happen if American Girl Dolls had their own movies? And like, it was funny. Honestly, what I'm seeing for American Girl Doll, Barbie meets Annabelle. Horror movie. No, thanks. Oh, Hard yeah. pass. I feel like that would be like the, like, I mean, how are you going to do an American Girl Doll movie? I don't know. Not a clue. Yeah. The, the next one, Barney. Now, is it like going to be documentary Barney or? Well, so that that's what I want to know because a lot of these movies, I feel would work really well as a story about the product instead of the story of the product. So, like for example, yeah. instead of being like a Transformers movie where it's the story of the toy. And like what the Transformers are doing. Mm-hmm. It's a story of how the toy got created. Yeah. Kind of like how Flamin' Hot was about the Cheetos. Yeah, that would make sense. Because then you don't have to merge the storylines like we were talking about. Which I'm wondering how they're going to do that. Especially after the I Love You, You Hate Me documentary came out. Oh, yeah. Like is it just going to be a like a bio, like dramatic biography pick? Mm-hmm. Who knows? The next one, I have no clue what this is. Christmas Balloon. I don't know. I've never heard of that. I, I have no idea what Christmas Balloon is. Um, good job, Mattel, picking well-known properties. Go ahead and comment if you do. If we, if we are just oblivious to Christmas Balloon, let us know in the comments what the Christmas Balloon is. Please educate us. Okay, next one. Hot Wheels. I feel like Hot Wheels could actually be a good movie. Like Toy Let's Story it, style? Oh, no. I'm, I'm thinking like full-on Fast and Furious. Oh, okay. But like... OG Fast and Furious, not not new style Fast and Furious where they all have superpowers. You're like, you love Fast and Furious. It's all about the family. <laughs> I remember it was it was definitely towards my later adolescence, but they had the Hot Wheels cartoon. Yeah. It was Hot Wheels Battle Force 5. Maybe that was the name of it. But remember. it was basically these five... It was, honestly, it was, it was kind of like Power Rangers where you, you take teenagers with attitude and instead of giving them super suits... You give them cars. Oh, even better. And they had to defend like one alien race that was caught in an intergalactic war against the other alien race. And it ended up being that the two heads of the alien races were step siblings. The story was actually pretty decent. Okay. Was it, was it great continuity wise? No. But if you look at the broad spectrum of the story for Hot Wheels Battle Force 5, it was pretty good. And okay. I would love to see a movie for that. Okay, do you want to say the next one? I have no idea how they're going to make a movie out of this. I have ideas. Magic 8-Ball. Okay, hear me out. I got ideas for this one. What if the Magic 8-Ball was all about all your decisions and it's just like the role of the Magic 8-Ball and whatever it says, that's the answer. And like, kind of like, did you ever see the movie Yes Man? Oh, yeah. Yes Man, but Magic 8-Ball. I loved Yes Man. That'd be fun. Can I have steak for lunch? Try again. Okay. Can Damn. I have Brussels sprouts? <laughs> Always. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, the next one. Not sure what it is. I'm wondering if it's like Mattel's G.I. Joe. I'm, that's what I'm thinking because I don't know who that is. Major Matt Mason? I, I've never heard of Major Matt Mason. I mean, it makes sense with the alliteration that it's a Mattel property. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. Like some of these properties that were not the, we don't, we don't know that well. Mm-hmm. If they were older properties that just died. Yeah. And are these the way to, that they're trying to bring it 
back or is it going to be stories about the product and like how it got created? Because Yeah, I mean, I could see that going either way. Because I know I would love to see a movie about how this next property was created opposed to another rendition of this product. Well, yeah, this next one has been done so many times and so terribly. Masters of the Universe. I love a good Motu moment, but the movies have just not been great. Oh, my God. They're great, but they're great garbage. And Mm -hmm. I feel like almost everything since the original cartoon has been great garbage. They have their good moments, but you're not pleasing everybody. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if you do a Masters of the Universe movie, you are just asking. You are asking to be just ridiculed and condemned by the fans. Because the fans... All right. I wish we were better as a fan base. Motu fans have some of the thinnest skin. Yeah. There's a lot of jerks. Like, I'm sorry, but the comments for the last two animated series that were released for it. Just absolutely brutal. Yeah. Brutal. You either people who were loving the changes or loving the way that it honored the comics or honored the original Mm -hmm. cartoon, or you had the other fans who thought it was terrible and that Kevin Smith never should have done the, done the show that the CGI property was better. And the people complained about the CGI property it really just also brought out the worst of the internet where if people aren't conversing face to face, they can say whatever they want and not give a care about how it affects other people. I think that because Motu has such a diehard fan base that spread throughout the generations, mm. doing a movie about Prince Adam, it, it's not the way to go. I know that you and I love Toys That Made Us. Oh, yeah. And we love the He-Man episode. There is such a mystery and argument around who the creator of He-Man is because everybody at Mattel thinks that they were the creator of He-Man because it was such a, just a melting pot of creators Mm -hmm. that came to create He-Man. I feel like it should be almost like an Unsolved Mysteries kind of episode where they bring in all the different, I think like what you're saying, where they interview everybody and they bring in all the different people who were involved and kind of leave it up to the viewer to uh, figure out what their theory is on it. Okay. I could see that. I I still think that doing a, like a biopic in the time, Mm -hmm. like a timepiece, that is the way to go for this movie. Yeah. Not, not an actual remake of the characters. Yeah. Don't, don't give me another Dolph Lundgren. Don't give me, I know there was, because there was supposed to be the Netflix movie with uh, Noah Centino, whatever his name is. And it was announced. Mm. He was cast and it was scrapped. Yeah. So it was all very fast too. That's why I think give me give me a movie about the product, not give me a movie of the product. Yeah. All right. Next one. I feel like this is too along the lines of the other thing that we just talked about. Hot Wheels Part 2. Yeah. Matchbox. So okay. how is this going to be separate from Hot Wheels? Matchbox versus Hot Wheels. I literally could not care less. About I, this distinction between the two. there I know you couldn't, but Matchbox collectors, they will fight you on it. There are people who are diehard Hot Wheel collectors and diehard Matchbox collectors. All right. And that is not me. <laughs> Thank goodness. So I we am, don't have room for anything else. <laughs> so you know what? 
If you know how they should do a Matchbox movie, let us know because I have no idea. Hmm, unless it's like they're going to build the best track. I don't know. Ooh. Never mind. What if it was this movie about kids trying to build, like, break the world record for the world's largest racetrack? Oh, that could be cute. And it's about a whole town coming together. That would be fun. Right? I very like heartwarming. That would be a very nice Netflix special movie. Yeah. I it, like it, that. It definitely would not be a theatrical release. It'd be like your 8-bit Christmas. Yeah, except they could release it in the summer because it'd be it'd be happening over summer where they have summer break. And mm-hmm. it's like going to help save the town in some way. Exactly. <laughs> that We're saving the town through Matchbox. Okay, next one. Polly Pocket. I think this could be done really well. I think that they could honestly kind of take how they did the Barbies like pocket universes mm-hmm. and do Polly Pocket the same way. And like uh, each of the Polly Pockets either were their own universes or their own house. That'd be fun. I just have vivid memories of losing the shoes for Polly Pockets. Well, yeah, the shoes, the people, the accessories. They're, that's why they're the most expensive things. You can get the clamshells for 10 bucks, but the actual little accessories are like 50. Oh, yeah. The shoes, they were fun, though. Which I'm going to, I know this one's not on the list, but I was surprised that it wasn't on the list. Mighty Max. Like the boy equivalent to Polly Pocket. Oh, I'm not surprised it's not on the list. Really? Yeah. So I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. Mattel at Comic Con this past year asked people out of all of these vintage properties, mm-hmm. what, what properties do you want to see come back? Top two, Street Sharks and Mighty Max in the number That's one crazy. and number two seat. What two movies have not been greenlit by Mattel? Street Sharks and Mighty Max. So it makes me wonder, are they trying to keep a little, little hush-hush? Or are they just not listening to their customer base? I don't know, because like next year is the 30th anniversary for the Street Sharks in 2024. That is a little crazy to think about. I, I definitely think that Mattel is going to bring Street Sharks back in some capacity with cartoons or movies. With how big Ninja Turtles is getting and has been, like, I'm not going to say like Ninja Turtles is just blowing up. I, I have more respect for the Turtles than that. I think, given the right creative director and writer and casting, Street Sharks have a really good revival and have a long lasting impact on the current generation. I wouldn't disagree. I just, I also find that interesting that the top two properties uh, are, are not, not on listed. the list. Mm-hmm. A few more announced movies to go through. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Didn't we do this with Real Steel already and Hugh Jackman? I feel like all of these. I, there are like maybe two that I would be excited about. The rest just feel money grabby. But maybe that's just because I'm not interested in them. You know, I don't want to like discourage someone else's dream of having a... Thomas and Friends movie? I was going to say an Uno movie. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Listen, Rock'em Sock'em Robots... Thomas and Friends, Uno, and Viewmaster. Um, can the Uno movie just be the people who run Uno's social media just trash talking everybody like so they do? Can it, can it be like Depp versus Herd and be just like a court case drama of people trying to defend their Uno rules? That I would pay to see that. 
I, I, I think that'd be I'd a great movie. I'd pay $5 to see that, but I'd still pay to see that. I'd continue subscribing to my streaming services to see that. Honestly, I, I really don't think that there is a property that's been listed for the announced projects that would make me go, oh yeah, I got to see that in theaters. Unless it's Wishbone. Unless it's the Wishbone that we all love from PBS. Yeah. Um, if they make it animated, no. Because that has to be a live action dog. It does. In costume, teaching us about Shakespeare. Or other classic forms of literature. Out of all the the movies on the list, if you had to pick one to be a movie, which one would you want? You know, if, if it's done to the umpteenth and the best, I think probably for rewatchability, I would want to go Wishbone. I feel like but, that could be a really good kids movie. Like, if it's not done well, though, I will come for you. The movie that I want to see is the biopic of Masters of the Universe. Okay. I want to see all the infighting behind the scenes. I want to see them spray painting Castle Grayskull so it actually looks good. I want to see all of that fighting. And you want to grab a big bucket of popcorn... And chomp down while the drama goes down. Oh, yeah. Like an episode of The Bachelor. Let's it, go. But it needs to be done similar to how Disney's Flamin' Hot was. That's the only movie that I would go see in theater. Okay. Okay, so you ready for our last segment? Let's go. 90s trivia. We're bringing it back. Do you want to ask first or answer first? I'll ask first. Okay. 90s spelling bee. Just spell the name. Okay, we'll give you two tries. Can you spell Kyle Broflovsky? The one with the green hat. Oh, I know who Kyle Broflovsky is. He's the Jew. Oh, great. So, I'm just Kyle. giving you the last of the, the no, clues. No, that's fine. Kyle. K-Y-L-E. Yes. Broflovsky. Broflovsky? Yes. B-R-O-F-L-O-V. Mm-hmm. O-S-K-I. No. Broflovsky. Broflovsky. B-R-O-F-L-O-V-S-K-I. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. What children's game was introduced in 1993 and featured an elephant blowing butterflies out of his trunk while you try to catch them with a net? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I can picture this game, but yep. it, <laughs> I'm mad because I just have the Mr. Bucket theme song stuck in my head now. Mr. Bucket, put, put your balls, balls on my top. Mr. Bucket, add and bow the pop. Um, yeah, I love it, Mr. Bucket shoot. commercial. Did it have the word elephant in it? It had a variation of the word elephant in it. I don't know. If you were going to play a joyous game about an elephant... And you are marketing to children. What would you name a joyous game about elephants? Elephant? No. Um, You're close. Elephant? Elephant. 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 I feel like an idiot. Mr. Film Buff, ready? Put these films in order by their movie rating from G to PG to PG-13 to R. Four movies. Four categories. Okay. Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire, Toy Story, Train Spotting. Okay. 
from G to PG, PG 13 to R. Yeah. Toy Story. Yep. Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yep. Train Spotting. Yep. You look at you so smart. Okay. I am a dinosaur with two small arms. I come to life in a child's imagination. Before I finish each episode, I'd like to sing about how much I love you. Who am I? Barney. Barney. Wasn't it like a fitting card for today's episode? <laughs> it I'm was. Like, oh, it this was is perfect. Good. I was thinking it was animated at first, and I'm like, no, no. I, I did like really like fight to not sound like Barney is a dinosaur from our imagination. Thank you. I I I like that card. All right, let's do the math. 90 style. Total number of adamantium claws that Wolverine has plus the number of swords that Deadpool has. Eight. Look at you. You're so smart. It's almost like I know Marvel. Almost. Okay. Last question. What innovation did Pizza Hut introduce in 1995 that begged you to eat your pizza backwards and subsequently increased business by 37%? Eat your pizza backwards? I'll be honest. I did not realize that this was an innovation by Pizza Hut, but this is a very common type of pizza now. Not the personal pan pizza. Not the personal pan pizza. The thing was, what would make you want to eat your pizza slice backwards? Oh, the stuffed crust. Stuffed crust pizza. Stuffed crust. I, I didn't realize that that was a Pizza Hut thing. I thought you were going to go along the lines of, you know, the reading program that you read a hundred books and you got a personal pan pizza. No, I wish, but no, stuffed crust pizza was a Pizza Hut thing. That's pretty interesting. We learned something new today. Only one thing. The more you know. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you have any ideas for our this or that section, please make sure to email us at nostalgiajunkiesct at gmail.com or follow us on all of our social medias at Nostalgia Junkies Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. I've been Alex. And I'm still Jocelyn. And we'll see you later. Peace. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening to the Nostalgia Junkies podcast. Follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and make sure to never miss an episode. Till the next episode.